Girls Rules, Episode 2. Welcome back to Girls Rules. This episode, we'll be talking to some of the women in the podcasting world. They also happen to be some of my favorite women. I have M.A. and Jet here in the studio with me, and calling in for our discussion is Martha Holloway. Hello. Paulette Jackson. Good morning. And Heather Welliver. Greetings. Now, before we start, actually, our discussion, I wanted to go around and have each woman tell her experience and their perspective of point of view if they have a specific one. You already know what Jet, M.A., and I have done from previous episodes, so I'm going to ask Heather to start. If you would just let folks know, first of all, where they can find you, social media and otherwise, and also what your experience is in front of and behind the mic. Well, I do voice work in speculative fiction podcasting, both as a narrator and a character actor. Currently, I am Maggie Griffin in The Empress Sword and Cyrus in Cybrosis. You'll also be able to hear me as Catherine Catane in Metamore City. There's links to... All of my uh, major voice work at heatherwellover.com. I have also co-hosted Girl of Geek Life and uh, am the female lead vocals in the band The Shillas, which you can find at Omni Street. Very cool. What is it that draws you into podcasting yourself? Because you mentioned Grail Wolf's Geek Life. Did you join his to help him out or was it a separate interest of yours? I think it was a little bit of both. When we first got into listening to podcasts, I knew that Mark had so many interests and I thought that he would be a great host for a podcast. And so I really encouraged him to start his and eventually started co-hosting that. But as we got more involved, I realized, you know, I've been a singer my whole life and I would probably enjoy getting a little more involved in the, the podcasting side of things. And so I started dabbling in voice work. Cool. And Paulette. If you could also give, you know, your resume, so to speak, and where they can find you, make sure you put that in there. (laughs) My first podcast was an anthology of my short fiction, which was called Form Letter Rejection Theater, and that ran for four glorious episodes last (laughs) year. I've also worked as an associate producer on Metamore City and on Murder at Abaddon Hill, where I do a lot of the primary editing and just this January, I started podcasting my first novel, which is The Empress Sword. And that's at EmpressSword.com. And you also have a, a main site where people can come kind of see all your various projects, don't you? Yeah. Uh, my site is com, And Jackson is spelled with an X in the middle, J-A-X-T-O-N. And people can go to that. What initially got you started in podcasting? What was your, like, primary motivation. T. Morris. <laughs> you hear that a lot from podcasters that he <laughs> you, helped. You do. And seriously, yeah. that was it. It was kind of like I got to know T because I was starting to do writing and I was listening to his podcast, uh, Survival Guide to Writing Fantasy. And I got to meet him at a couple of conventions. And, uh, you know, he started asking me, well, why aren't you podcasting? You know, if you're writing, why aren't you podcasting? And ultimately, I, I couldn't 
keep making up excuses. I had to actually do it. So I gave it a try. I found that I enjoyed the editing, the technical side of editing, and enjoyed putting together a sort of audio drama style readings. When my first novel was finished, I thought, well, uh, I pretty much have to podcast it. I can't think of anything else to do. <laughs> yeah, especially with this wild crowd you run around with. And that's the other thing is there's just an amazing and wonderful group that, you know, we all kind of run with, this this tribe of podcasting people. The amount and the quality of the voice acting that's out there, it's like I just can't believe the people that I'm working with and the quality of, voice, of the voice work that I'm getting. It's just absolutely just gives me chills every time I put together the episodes. They're great. Yeah. You've actually got experience behind the mic doing the production and the editing for yourself and for others and putting your podcast out, but you've also been in front of the mic solely for other authors as well. Yeah, not not a great deal, but a little bit. It's like I think everybody kind of contributes to the communal voice talent pool at one point or mm -hmm. another. But yeah, I've been called on a couple of times to read narration. I read a story for Nobilis for his erotica podcast. And uh, I filled in uh, for as a voice on Metamore City when uh, one of the uh, original actresses got sick and couldn't complete the role. You rocked that too. Oh, thank you. I mean, considering it was so far into the story and it was a different voice coming in, you really rocked it. Well, thank you. It was kind of tough because I was trying to sound as much like uh, Martha, Martha Puskas as I could. Right. That's with, always hard. Yeah, which is, is, you know, she's already kind of set the tone for the character and wouldn't have been the way I would have played the character initially, but I kind of had to keep going with where she was taking it. So. Yeah. Well, it was good. Martha, you have a lot of experience behind the mic. I know you do a lot of production stuff, but you also do voice work. So if you could let us know where to find you and what your experience is on both sides, that'd be great. Sure, Martha Holloway, and the major site you can find me at is Dancing Cat Studios. A lot of my sites are old at this point because I've been focusing on the the small one, the wee <laughs> one, and I'm you know staying employed. Right, of so course, that kind of, takes, that kind of takes all of my time there. Yeah, DancingCatStudios.com. I also do production work for the Balticon Podcast. That's at BalticonPodcast.org. And we retired the ADD cast, but I was uh, co-hosting with my husband, Paul Fisher. That's ADDcast.com, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been so long. <laughs> and it's retired, too. So. Social, social media sites, you can find me at yourself. That's L-J-O-S-A-L-F on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook, but I never go there anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't have time. I just don't have time. And I really don't have access either. So I rarely get access when I'm at home and I can't get access at all when I'm at work. That'll happen when you have a little one. Mm. <laughs> and, and a job. That, and a job. That, yeah. That, that pays attention to where you're browsing. <laughs> right. So. And with Dancing Cat Studio, you guys have also produced other people's work. I know that you did Serve It Cold. Yes, we did. The Server Cold, it was the first mystery novel by a friend of ours, Ronnie Blackwell, set in South Mississippi and New Orleans. And it was such a good book that we talked Ronnie into letting us produce it as an audio book. It's like, 
yes, really? <laughs> no, you know, really, you got to let us. And we arranged everything, got the, the voice actors, and it's mostly a first-person narrative, so there's one voice that predominates, but we have a full voice cast for it and did sound effects and other things like that mm-hmm. and really enjoyed doing that, learned a whole bunch about audio editing by producing that novel. Mm-hmm. We have also got his follow-on novel, Spite, in the can. We're just trying to get it edited so that we can get it published. Gotcha. And people can find Cervic Cold, I'm guessing, at patiobooks.com and iTunes and that sort of thing? That is correct. And Paul has done production work. Dancing at Studios is both Paul and me. Done production work on a couple of other patio books Mm -hmm. as well. One is, well, I think it's still available. It's You're Hired. It's a how to get hired book by someone who is a hiring manager. Oh, cool. That's very useful right about now. (laughs) The, the, The things to avoid and the things to do in order to make yourself hireable. It's really a very effective little book. Paul did the post-production work on Forever 15, mm-hmm. which is a, has been a very popular vampire-based novel on patiobooks.com. Very cool. I don't think yeah. I've checked that out yet. It's good stuff. M.A. Is. is dancing and giving thumbs up, and so I think her and Jet both are way ahead of me on the <laughs> curve on that one. <laughs> I do do some voice work. I did voice work in Servant Cold. Mm-hmm. I believe you will be able to find my most current voice work in Three-Edged Sword, which is a Babylon 5 story. Oh, cool. And it's erratically being published at this point. I'm Captain Crawford. Nice. And what what pushed you into podcasting? What was your first little foray? What was your motivation? Well, my husband was a a big online game player, and that just did not do it for me. Mm. I I don't like online games for myself. Mm -hmm. And he started listening to podcasts when I think there were about three podcasts Mm -hmm. and said, wow, if Adam Curry can do this, I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do radio in in college. I was a radio DJ in college. It's college college DJs. I can do this. Bought himself a a mixer and he started recording his podcast, the ADD cast. And it just so happened that that day I was doing laundry. So we have all this. It's very very ADD cast. He, He started and so this is this topic. And he gets down to the end of the topic and he pauses because there's this sound <laughs> the dryer cuts off. It sounds like he's, he stops and he goes and does his laundry and comes back. and It's just hilarious. And by the third episode, I'm, I'm like, you know, it would be really nice if I could like spend some time with you because mm-hmm. I used to spend all this time online downstairs and I never saw you. And, you know, now you're doing this, this podcast thing and I never see you. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I could set up another mic and that's it. That was all. Third episode of ADD Cast, and I was co-hosting with it. I think that's what happened with Chooch and I, because we started into the blender, and at the same time, he started doing COH podcasts, and he did the first couple without me, and I was listening, and I said, look, I have some things to say. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's just a couple things I want to say about this one episode you did, and then, so I was on that one, and then it was just like, I was in. I just really enjoyed the audio work and being able to to talk spend time with my husband and that's the reason that i got into it yeah it's a it's a cool special way of having couple time i think is what we've found (laughs) not so much (laughs) (laughs) but it is something to share (laughs) he's upstairs now running around with a girl so it was not so much with a couple time there (laughs) 
Well, I got married because of podcasting. So I was actually Yay. about to say that we did we did our histories before, but your experience in front of and behind the mic, we did in front of, but as far as behind the mic, MA, what have you done? Well, I edited both podcasts, Better Late Than Never, and The Modern Domestic Geek, though The Modern Domestic Geek hasn't had another show because I hate editing with the passion of a thousand flaming suns. <laughs> I used to like it a lot, but then they changed GarageBand around and I can't get it to do what I want it to do anymore. And I need another training session, I guess. Yeah. But, but you did the editing and you also did the post-production and actually and the music. it up on the site and all yeah. that. And with Modern Domestic Geek, with the help of Paulette, I actually built the blog mm-hmm. to do it. So that's been a whole other learning curve. Yeah. And I like learning new things. So that's what kind of got me into podcasting in the first place. I can teach you audacity. <laughs> I don't like audacity because audacity crashes on the map. I use Cubase. Yeah. And it's yeah. easy peasy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I like the way... Garage band is, but I just I get things like I get with my mixer and it doesn't do something, and mm-hmm. I get with the editing and the editing just drives me insane now. Mm-hmm. So that's my issue right now. I prefer to be in front of the mic. I got spoiled because when I was on Fanboy Hell, Dan did all the editing, yeah. and I think that's where I got out of practice. Yeah. So, and Jet, what is your behind the mic experience? Because we already did your in front of the mic stuff on episode one. Well, I don't remember how long it lasted, but I edited the Jet Show all by myself. Mm-hmm. on audacity and it was tolerable but uh <laughs> that, yeah that's that's pretty much that's all i've done mm-hmm. editing wise i mean i'll record and i'll record voice work for people and i'll edit out my goofs and extra long pauses but that's that's all i've done and heather i didn't ask you about your behind the mic experience do you do anything post wise post production side I, I avoid it at all costs. Mark usually does it. However, I have done a little bit when I've done narration mm-hmm. for the Escape Artists because I've done uh, Pseudopod, Podcastle, and Escape Pod. And I think a couple of those I edited myself. And I think I did some editing for Longing for Langalana, but I can't remember. But really, honestly, I am not good at it. And if I can get Mark to do it, then I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love editing. I, yeah, I do too. Yeah, so do I. I wish I did. <laughs> what it was, I would listen to the episodes and Chooch, my husband, we did both of our podcasts together. He would go through and he would edit and he would invariably leave something in that I would say, oh, I wish he'd taken that out. So for me, it was a control issue. Mm-hmm. Oh. I wanted my ums out. And then we had, we both had this really bad habit of saying, so, <laughs> and we just found these these funny verbal tics that we had and he would tell me about them and I'd be like okay I'll work on it whatever you know and when I started editing that's when I stopped saying um at the beginning of every statement and so and all these crazy I used to do this clicking thing with my tongue that I didn't even know I did that he tried to explain to me and I'm like I'm sorry I don't understand when I started editing it made me better on the mic which made yes. me want to learn more to figure out what else mm-hmm. am I doing wrong that's annoying to other people besides me. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah. When, once you can actually go back and listen, like listen with attention. Yeah. To And pre- as though it's not your voice. Yep. And, and have it visualized for you. You can go, that is a verbal tick. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I no longer click. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, when you've done enough editing that? that you can identify an um just by the shape. Just by yeah. the, on, exactly. on the I used to be able to do That's that. That's when you realize it's got to go. You say it too often. <laughs> Lip smacks. I can, I can pick those out. Mm, right 
There you go. There's a pop. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason I like editing so much is I was always the one who would take all of our slides and put them in slide trays and get them all lined up and and group them together. And then after the slideshows where we showed them to our friends, we would take them back out of the trays and separate them again. So mm-hmm. I just kind of, to, to me, the audio editing is very similar. You take all these little clips and you put them together and you shuffle them around and, you know, you, know, you fix little gaps in the, in, the, in the thing. And that just really appealed to me. And I, it was very surprising. Uh, not usually the kind who can deal with that kind of stuff, say, at the day job. Right. And for me, it's totally different element. And as far as my experience behind the mic, all I have done up until this podcast, the Girls Rules, is editing. And that was, I started doing that probably six months after we started podcasting. So like mid-2008. And with this one, I said, you know, my whole thing is that, you know, strong women doing their own thing, their own way. I'm not then going to go to my husband. And he's he's definitely still teaching me. He was the one helping me get this set up because I was nervous about setting this up on my own. He was down here, full props to him on getting this set up so that it sounded good for people to listen to. But he's also teaching me as we go so that I can do it on my own in the future. And the episodes, I'm mixing them. I'm adding the music. I'm adding the promos and you know, posting them and pinging them and tagging them and all of that stuff. And it's not anything that, like, I enjoy the editing. I don't really enjoy the other part yet because mm-hmm. I'm still really scared of it, <laughs> waiting for some big catastrophe. But it was just one of those things that I said, well, I kind of have to with this one. It's kind of the whole point of the podcast is women doing their own stuff. He rocked yep. it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I still make him check it before I <laughs> post him. Like, well, okay, listen and make sure. wrong with having somebody check your work. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So, because no. I probably should do that. Yeah, definitely. Quality I'm more control. like, I'll Absolutely. go through. Yeah, I'll go through and then I'll be like, okay, that's okay. I really don't want to have to worry about trying to get this out and then cutting something else out because my mouse decided to jump. Oh, yeah. Then I'll be like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and then I'll export it and it'll be completely silent. Yeah. That happened with the last episode. One of the things that I really enjoy about editing, particularly for fiction work, is that you can enhance the text. You can pace the back and forth of conversations so that an argument that snaps back and forth. And when you're having a lazy conversation, you can expand the silence between when one person starts speaking and the next person. And just changes the pacing in fiction. Also in the narration, you can, uh, when your narrator comes to a section where you feel that the uh, listener should have a chance to digest something, you can add a, a second or a couple seconds in that the person who is recording it didn't put in. Gotcha. And it just, it, to me, it gives you a chance to have a, an impact and present the story better. Well, very cool. I hadn't thought of it that way. There will be a lot of lengthy, thoughtful pauses in this. Ah, ah. <laughs> Insert have, pause here. Well, there are only two things that you uh, have to work with in audio editing, and that's so- sound and silence. Yeah. And you punctuate with both. So you have to use silence periodically to punctuate. Good 
morning, students. We are happy to bring you an announcement from the prom committee, outlining the theme for this year's grand gala. Our theme this year will be Enchantment Under the Sea, a whimsical backdrop to complement the smooth musical stylings of Marvin Becky and Starlight. Hello, kitties. We're taking over. We've had it with the preppies, the sportos, the goody-goods telling us what prom should be like. They can have their lame band, watered-down punch, and corsages. We're going to have prom the way we want it. This party was made for you, the sci-fi fantasy prom. Where geeks rule and freak flags fly. It's going down at Balticon on Saturday, May 29th. Podcasting's Rich Siegfried is the MC and T. Morris is the DJ. Come as your favorite fantasy or sci-fi character. Don't have a partner? No worries. Throw on your beta clone shirt. Or throw on an undershirt and bring a toaster. Bam, you're Chief Tyrrell. Be creative as the best costumes will be rewarded. Come and join the most fascinating group of people brought together in one place ever. Ever. All at Balticon 44 at the Hunt Valley Marriott, Saturday night, May 29th, 11 p.m. Details can be found at endoftheblender.com slash sci-fi prom. Be there. Or, well, you know the alternative. Remember, squirrelies, while funny and often deserted, cannot be ignored by the faculty. As always, we wish you a smiling happy morning. Ta-ta! Another thing that I wanted to ask is that since none of us are actually making a living or paying our bills off of our podcasting projects, and of course, special little asterisk next to Heather and Martha with their babies, but how do you fit your podcast projects in around your job and your family responsibilities? You know, because, you know, Paulette, you don't have any kids, but you do have a mother that lives nearby and, and you help her out a lot and stuff like that. So starting actually, I think with Heather, how do you balance that? It's not the easiest thing in the world, I'll tell you that. You just do it. You make it happen. Evenings, weekends, a wonderful husband <laughs> who is willing to look after the boy, and that, that really helps. And you just make sure you communicate with the people you're working with so that they know what to expect from you mm-hmm. because things happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I try to be as open and honest as I can and not take on too much. That's the main thing now is before I had a baby, uh, before I had him in my life, I couldn't say no. I would take anything that was offered to me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because then it's just me that's losing out on sleep or time or or whatever. But when when, uh, you've got a, a little life depending on you, they come first no matter what. And you also have a full-time job that you balance. Yes, with a long commute. So I don't have a lot of time, but uh, I keep it down to a small amount at any given time and make sure that that I communicate. Those are the most important things, I think. And Martha, how do you balance? Intermittently. Mm -hmm. It's full-time work, full-time support of the child. A lot of the spare time that we have as a couple goes to Paul because he is putting together the new media track at Balticon. Mm-hmm. And 
that takes a lot of work. Yeah. It takes a lot of time, and he's does doing all this prep work, so he gets a lot of alone time with a computer. Right. So I'm doing a lot more, you know, evenings and morning support for the girl, and that it'll it'll balance out. She's getting to be more self sufficient, mm-hmm. so I'm getting closer to the time where I can spend more time doing podcasting, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because it's been it's been a longish hiatus for me. Well, you know, the first time I think, thinking back, the first time I met you was at RavenCon like a couple of years ago. This third, this was the third one that I would have known you at and seeing you on a panel explaining audio equipment. And you just, I was actually kind of awed by you because you and Paul were doing a panel on, you know, podcasting 101. This is what you need. This is how you start. And you were just like, boom, 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 boom. You had all your stuff down. And I was like, kind of like, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't know any girls that can do that. (laughs) She just knows it all. And then seeing you. At Balticon, which I, I don't remember if I recorded it on any of our podcasts or anything, but I told Chooch that I just was in awe of you because that whole, it was Balticon 42, you were just like a force of nature was what I called you because you <laughs> okay. were just everywhere, handling everything, knocking stuff out. This needs to be done, done, and still balancing all the social aspects and everything like that. So that's when I was like, wow, Martha rocks. <laughs> Thank you. I, I accept that as the compliment that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I want to have my hand more into that but as with heather and her son my daughter comes first so absolutely to make sure that she has what she needs and sometimes what she ought to have instead of what she wants and that's the way it goes <laughs> and that's always fun <sighs> yes the little tantrums the little puddles on the floor yeah and they're, st- they're just now starting she's learning to get past them yeah it gets worse and it gets better and it gets worse and it gets better mm-hmm. And, you know, my oldest is 19 and we're still getting worse and getting better. It's just constant. It's awesome. It's totally worth it. The little tantrums on the floor are slightly larger now. (laughs) Just a little. (laughs) And there are more colorful words. (laughs) (laughs) Paulette, do you have anything? I mean, I know that you work a full time. (laughs) I was going to say, do you have anything different to add? But you have have a different. Nothing at all to say. You have a different Uh, perspective because you have the full-time job and you don't have a little one in the house. But like I said, you balance. And you also have a lot more podcasting projects going on than probably any of us. I have a day job, full-time day job. I have a very long commute as well. Mm -hmm. So the amount of hours I have off of that is, you know, is limited. My method for dealing with it has been evolving. Uh, What I used to do was uh, stay up till all hours of the night getting these various projects done and then get up at 5 in the morning to do writing and then head off to work. And the end result of that is, is I've been sick all winter. You have. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm modifying it. I'm starting to say no to to some projects and whatnot and trying to balance things out a little bit and just trying to catch up. But you can't do everything. You know, one of the things I've given up is basically watching TV. You know, yeah. there just isn't. If you if you want to do this, if you want to do this right, you know you you can't watch three hours of TV every night and then try and do you know three hours of editing because that uh, I, I now know that ends in uh, in a breakdown. So yeah, can't have that. So I've kind of given up on TV. It's trading one lifestyle for another. You know, I don't really have much of a life other than what I'm doing with the podcasting, but. I'm really enjoying the connections that I have, the fans that uh, you know I've been getting in connection with through podcasting my novel. That that's really exciting. 
And it's more fulfilling than saying, oh, I, I watched the entire season of what, you know, 24 versus I podcasted my entire novel that I wrote and edited myself. I mean, exactly. you have this beautiful yeah. piece of work at the end of it, whether it's a podcast that you're proud of or voice work that you're proud of or someone else's novel that you've put out. It's just you have you've created something, you know, which is yeah, fantastic. Is. It is. It's, it's a much greater uh, level of accomplishment. There are people who do watch, you know, a lot of TV and then they podcast about it. Right. That's not what I'm doing. Right. Uh, to me, it's a creative process from end to end. You know, I wrote the book, I, I edited it, and, you know, now I've been putting together the podcast for it. And it's a very end-to-end thing. And it's, you know, at the beginning when you're writing a novel, it's a very lonely thing. You, you know, you sit around in the mornings and, and you write and, and you watch the people walk by you in the coffee shop. And that's really about it. Mm-hmm. But then to actually take it and put it out to people and get the feedback that you can get from a podcast, mm. that's, that's even better. You know, in a way, that's much better than even publishing. Because if you, once you publish something, all you get are, are numbers. Yeah. Right. You, know, you get the number of people who, who were down. And I get numbers from downloads and everything else. But I also get a lot of feedback. And mm-hmm. I have fans that are, you know, waiting for the next episode to come out and waiting and waiting. And waiting. <laughs> that just means they want to hear it. Yeah. I know. Right. I want to hear it, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should, probably should mention for the people who haven't been listening to The Emperor's Sword is that I decided to do it with a full cast. And in addition to just the basic, you know, recording and editing, when you do a full cast re, uh, presentation of something, especially when it runs the length of a novel, that's a huge production mm-hmm. uh, thing. There's schedules to be done with and keeping up with who's recorded what and trying to get things, uh, you know, get uh, you know people scheduled and working around other people's schedules. It's a massive parts, amount of work. Get the parts edited into your major oh, – yes, it is – the recording time is maybe somewhere between – two to four times less work than the editing and production work. Yeah. Well, for the Empress Sword, I did all of the narration in a two-week... I I took my two-week vacation last year and used it to record the narration for the the whole book. So that's been in the can since last August, since or actually last September. And, you know, it's just been getting the recorded voices for all the dialogue and getting it all put together that has, you know, taken all the time in between. Yeah, a lot of herding cats and stuff like that to get your exactly. your, your pieces in from people. Paula, do you find that you have a varied quality from the people who are giving voice work on the sound quality? That, how, well, do you, not how, how do you do that? Oh, there, there's a, there's that? a difference in the sound quality from a technical standpoint. And also from the people's performances. The thing to remember that the way we're doing this, this is all unpaid volunteer. And people's level of expertise, both in technical aspects of the recordings and also in their acting skills, will vary greatly. And trying to get that to sound reasonably the same is difficult. I mean, even just the fact that everybody uh, tends to use different microphones does change the sound of their voices and when you're trying to make them all sound like they're in the same room that can be difficult sometimes sometimes you have to make some very minor but very important adjustments to how people sound of course then i threw myself my own curve in that three of the adult voices that people are doing for me i'm turning into teenagers 
ah, <laughs> good luck with those filters. <laughs> uh, well, so far, I think they've been doing uh, Heather, how do you like yourself as a 13-year-old? I think it is the coolest thing to hear my voice that way because it definitely doesn't come out like that. And, and it sounds so natural. It, it really is like I'm listening to somebody else. It's really cool. It was an interesting thing that I found out when I was uh, casting and, and trying out people's voices and seeing just what I could do with different people's voices. I discovered that the, the people I could manipulate the best were, for the most part, singers. Heather, of course, is a, is a very experienced, very, very well-trained voice singer. D-Dog, who's playing the main character of Aster, also a choral singer, and his voice was, was easy to manipulate around. So it was it was interesting because some people's voices that I tried that I thought were going to be very good at taking them and changing the age sound or the gender sound of them uh, didn't work out at all because their voice just broke up when you when you changed the speed of it and yeah. that was kind of fascinating that it turned out to be the singers that worked the best. It is pretty interesting. Yeah, of course. Well, Ma 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 presented an interesting uh, thing. I turned her into an eight year old boy. Because actually, I've been trained for a singer since five years old. So. <laughs> So yeah, it it just uh, it's an interesting thing. I don't know if it's just the way that when you're singing, you're constantly varying your pitch in a, in a more in a smoother way than when you're just talking. But it it did seem to turn out it's all the people that I've been able to change their voices have been singers. I'm willing to bet it's because singers have a pleasant timbre to their voice or something that the human ear or consistent timbre to their voice. Yeah. Whereas those of us who aren't trained or who just aren't good singers, my husband will tell you that I need a bucket to carry a tune, Aww. have overtones in the mm -hmm. uh, pitch that their voice produces. And when you apply a filter to alter the natural voice, those overtones suddenly become obvious. Yeah. It, it's, it's very interesting. Of course, it does, like I say, it adds one, that's one more layer of, uh, of work that I have to do in mm -hmm. order just to get to the point where I can begin the editing process. It sounds so good. You do such an amazing job with all your editing. I mean, it, it really shows that you take the time to do it right. I, I, I love listening to anything that you've edited. It's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Especially <laughs> since you're in a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that one you did for Form Letter Rejection Theater where you layered marks and my voices. Oh, thanks for the memories. Yes. Yeah. That was that so was... amazing. Yeah, and that's an example of taking audio from people who are not professional actors. I think if I had hired two professional actors, male and female, to do what you guys did, which was try and say the same lines in the same way, but not necessarily in the same voice. In other words, I didn't really want you imitating Mark or Mark imitating you, but I needed to have you saying the same lines in basically the same intonation with the same word stresses. You guys did that really good, but it didn't match up perfectly. So it took me, oh, I don't know, probably about three or four hours to get that sequence so that the two of you, I could switch back and forth between the two of you seamlessly. But I was happy with the result. It was mind-blowing. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. If I could ask Jet, I know that you don't have your own podcasting project per se, but you've done I know I just recently heard you on Geek Radio Daily's weekly show. Mm -hmm. How do you plan 
or work your podcast projects around because you've done other voice work and things like that as well. Right now, I just kind of do it whenever. I don't have... No ankle biters? I don't have an ankle, <laughs> I don't have an ankle biter. Oh, wait a minute. You have a cat. He's in uh, Hagerstown right now. So. Oh, that's right. So she just has a, a crusty gamer boyfriend. Yeah, I, I have, <laughs> that's I the have only... Gamer, gamer boyfriend that I pander to and, um, <laughs> and, a, and a day job. And so I have my evenings mostly free. Mm-hmm. I just, when I want to do GRD... I just say, hey, I want to show up. And they're like, okay, fine, come on over. Mm-hmm. And so I fit into their schedule. If I can't show up, I don't show up. It's not, I'm not a permanent guest. Recording audio for voice work, I haven't been offered anything recently. And if I did, I would give them fair warning. I don't have a setup right now. I'm working on it. But. Well, and I've given you. You know, free use of the burrow here. Yes, so yes, thank you. So that yeah, that's me. That's I just fit it in when I have evenings and weekends free. Mm-hmm. Ma. Well, I've decided I'm going to term myself the working housewife now because I feel like I have two full time jobs taking care of the boys, right? And taking care of my job, but I, it's a matter of finding time to schedule, especially with Modern Domestic Geek, with my very busy partner, mm-hmm. to find time to record. And then what I used to do back when I was single, I would edit on my lunch break. And just while I'm listening to everybody today, I'm like, that's what I should be doing instead of watching videos on my lunch break is that I should be taking that time to edit because it's basically everything else comes first. You know, if I have cooking or cleaning Mm -hmm. or anything to do, it's got to come first. Right. Or the boys, (laughs) the boys, boys (laughs) being husband and child, boys being husband and child. So I, I tend to put it off and make sure that like when I get home, I get my time to chill and relax so that I don't completely fall apart because I can't. I don't feel like I can. Yeah. So I need to be able to find time to do it. Yet, when I do have to record stuff, when I had to record stuff for Digital Magic and for The Empress Sword, I also just got into the studio and I did it all at once and then had to edit out each piece for everybody. Right. So it's just a matter of making the time. And actually... Dan's really cool. Whenever I want to go into the studio, he'll make sure everything's set up so that he doesn't hear inordinate yelling and cursing from the bedroom, right. which is <laughs> so he's been known to set everything up and just say, OK, hit the button mm-hmm. and go. And right. then I'll go and I'll like do the intro that I need to do for my podcast. And then I'll go and I'll do lines for somebody else. And then I'll do lines for somebody else and just get it all done in one fell swoop. And then I just have to edit it all. Yeah. And that's. That's where it gets to the point of, well, what do I want to do, whether I have to do it? Right. And being that this is a hobby, you know, unless it's for somebody else, if it's for somebody else, I will get it out. But for my own thing, I'm like, okay, do I want to relax and spend time with my husband and my kid? Or do I want to spend time editing where I will be growling and cursing? Dan can't be in the same room with me when I edit because every time I have to cut something out, I go, (sighs) and he'll be like, I can't be here. You're making me stressed out. Like, you don't understand. That's why I can do it at work, because nobody's going to care if I make angry noises at work, because everybody makes angry noises from their cubicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, I think you're right. It is ultimately just a hobby. And as far as time management with the rest of our lives, it has to be looked at in that regard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think we're, we're all kind of working within a community where we put a high stress on professionalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically what we're doing is is radio broadcasting uh, on the internet, and 
we all like to you know have things sound as professional as possible trying to strike a balance between those two. Mm -hmm. I think that instead of saying that it's a hobby or just a hobby, which seems to make it smaller than it is in Mm -hmm. our lives, certainly, that we should remember that we are amateurs. An An amateur is someone who does something for the love of it. That doesn't mean that it, that that necessarily that they are uh, less capable than a pro. I like that definition or term right. better. It's amateur work, but treat it treat amateur as someone who does something for the love of it, and you will hear that all the quality that comes through. Kings and armies fall as the great dragons awaken to descend upon them, and all is laid to ruin. I am Empress Aphanasia. Armed with my magical sword, Kai, I conquered the dragons. I await a young maiden who will take up my sword and rule as I once ruled. There's just one problem. It is I, Prince Aster of Caledon. I come seeking the great sword of power that once belonged to the Empress of the Eastern Mountains. This could be more complicated than I thought. The Empress Sword is a fantasy novel by Paulette Jackson. Subscribe to the audio experience at EmpressSword.com. If you want to rule my empire, young man, you'd better be prepared to wear the tiara. Well, and that's, I mean, that's certainly, I think, a a good way to describe how I do it, because when we started doing the two podcasts, we had the two boys living with us, and so that was full-time mom stuff, but I was a college student, so I had some time during the day to get stuff done. It wasn't a big time crunch. Then I went back to work, which killed our schedule, pretty much killed COH podcast. It's dead in the water. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the boys left, you know, one went to live with his father, the other went to do the college thing, but then I got sick which has been a whole nother level of difficulty. It's not even a matter of, do I have time to record? It's, is my voice going to work? Because sometimes I get a stutter. Sometimes I get like a brain fog thing going. And that's why I was kind of nervous about setting it, setting this up this morning, because I wasn't sure if my body would cooperate. Mm -hmm. I don't have the kids so much to schedule around or feel like I'm neglecting if Chooch and I are down here doing something and they're up there doing something by themselves, which they're perfectly happy with. But, you know, it's more us and just trying to figure it out in the regular day and really coh podcast we decided really to end that because we just weren't making it a priority anymore and we had these other projects we wanted to do so it's kind of like saying okay we still love podcasting we're going to keep one but this other one isn't really working out and what we want to do we aren't playing city of heroes anymore and just kind of making those adjustments on the fly as we go which is also why i made this as i called it erratic (laughs) schedule Mm -hmm, podcast that'll come out when I can get the group of women that I want on a panel, if they're willing to join, of course, scheduled together to when we can all do it and have it go out 
as soon as possible, but yeah. it's not going to be a weekly ever. It's never going to be a weekly or biweekly. I'm hoping for once a month just because I know that all of the wonderful women that I know have full-time jobs or full-time commitments with kids and family dynamics and commutes and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And being one of those women, I respect it. Now, one thing I'm really interested in, because this is an issue some people think I take a little too seriously, but I'm going to ask Martha this as a new mom. I'm going to ask you this first. Uh, do you ever concern yourself with your image? Or I know you're on hiatus right now for a lot of things, but do you avoid or worry about what kids, parents, coworkers, peers would think of you if they heard you do material more towards adults, either swearing or like some of the erotica podcasts that are out now? And also... Do you think that men have to worry about this or just women? Wow. No, I don't worry that much about my image because I don't get asked to do voice work that often. And we don't produce a lot of adult, heavily adult content. Right. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with that as such. And I think that if I did start becoming concerned with it, that I would have to... Uh, to deal with it because my day job requires me to keep a clearance. Right. So if I become concerned with it, then if I don't want people to know about it, then that's a way to uh, blackmail me. So then I have to be able to say, you know, I have to do things that I can't be blackmailed for. Right. Even if if I go out and and get that image, it it can't affect me in that way. So I either, you know, don't let it affect me and, and go on with my life or I say, okay, this is, I feel this is going to affect me. So I'm going to avoid it because I need, I need the job. Right. So for you, uh, it's an employment issue, which would be the same for a man or a woman. Yes. And it would be for a man or a woman too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, in, in this case, it's a question of if you're embarrassed about it and you don't want people to know about it, then you have a problem because those sorts of things can be turned against you. Absolutely. Right. And, and it's because of, the work that I do and it's not that I do anything I do desktop support right it's just that clearance issue right but in order to touch the systems that do the other kind of work I have to have the that kind of clearance in order to do it right so that's one thought and I, I think that in that case that when you're looking at that particular situation then it is pretty much the same for both men and women if if you're end up doing something that you could you feel embarrassed about or or wouldn't want the world to know about then yeah you got to you got to do something about that right you got to do something about that in your life you're either going to have to avoid it you're going to have to change how you feel about it but i don't i think that there is still a double standard for men and women in our society and that it is possible to to get a reputation and, you know, it's kind of like being uh, typecast mm-hmm. for, for an actor. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you get a reputation for only doing certain types of, of work, then that's the only kind of work that's going to be offered to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's true that women get more typecast than men. I think, actually, I think it, the more I think about it, in our circle of podcasting friends in fiction podcasting, I think that it's it might be the reverse, because there are more male voices out there. So more women who do the voice acting will get offered more parts because they need the woman's voice. Yeah, those those filters they just don't work very well to turn a woman's voice into a man's voice right. and vice versa. 
Yeah, there's a timber quality to a man's voice that you can't really interject without some very expensive software. Well, Jet, what are your thoughts on that? Because like right now you don't have kids, but you certainly have family and friends. Do you have any concerns about how you're perceived if you were to do adult content or explicit content? Well, I've already done adult content and... Oh, that's right. You did um, Nobilis? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did an uh, episode for Nobilis. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I have never been one to worry about an image. I mean, if I, I... I will proofread what I've been asked to read, and if I decide that this is far too hardcore for me, I will say, you know what? I'm going to pass on this. Yeah. You're going to need to find someone else. And if they're not okay with that and they never ask me again to do something else, that's fine. That's their loss. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, I've never had a problem with it. I, the things that I like to do are all here anyway, and I'll do, it sounds weird, but I'll do, I'll do any voices really. That you're comfortable that, with. Yeah. That, if you have a comfort level that you're not worried about what other people think. No, I'm not. I never have ever worried about what people think of me dress speech which is it's something that i envy because and and i don't know i think ma may relate to me better on this than than anybody else on the panel is not just being a mom and having boys that someday may hear mom using this breathing you know heavy breathing and you know certain language that would kind of freak them out but also being divorced from their father and although there's never been a threat of i'm going to take the kids or anything like that we've always been very amicable is that worry on my end of doing something that would make me look questionable that would either hurt my husband with time with his son or hurt me with time with my kids because I feel I personally feel that there is a big double standard that you know a guy can stay out all night and do whatever he wants and have whatever image but if the mother does that then she's letting down the children she's raising them inappropriately and and all of that sort of stuff. And when you're dealing with a divorce and custody, it's it adds an element of fear and really terror that you do something that someone could interpret as being pornographic. And all of a sudden, your custody's in danger. Is that because I've been asked to do erotica, and I have to say no because of that concern. Yeah. And. I find personally that I am typecast. I'm always type. I'm either a mom mm-hmm. or a nurse or a secretary, which I'm just, I just love being a part of my friend's awesome works. You know, I don't care, but I, I always end up in, in a mom kind of role, even if it's not a mother per se. Well, at least I made you a queen. Yes, you did make me a queen. And I appreciate that. Although I was kind of sad I didn't have some big steamy scene with my King Nathan Lowell. But <laughs> maybe for the sequel. Probably the sequel, yeah. No, I think I have an interesting take on, on this this topic. You know, a year ago, I would have said I don't really censor myself, say, on Twitter or, or in any of the other things I do. But as the the fan base for for my novel has grown, I find myself doing more and more self editing on on social media you know I'm, I'm establishing myself as as a certain you know as a person who writes a certain type of novel which is leans towards the ya crowd and i just find myself automatically censoring myself from doing certain things right um when nobilis asked me to narrate one of his stories i you know i told him i said i'm really going to have to look at it first he sent me something that wasn't that steamy mm-hmm. so 
Uh, so, and I, at this point, I might not do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's because um, I'm thinking now uh, not so much of, of the people in my real life, the people at work or something like that, but uh, the people out there who are listening to me and are fans of my story. And then might seek you out in another venue and be like, woo, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this go. isn't why. Oh, I want to hear something else by Paulette Jackson. And they go over and it's like, oh, you know, so that that kind of, uh, you know, that's a different aspect to it. It's not something really connected to my, quote, real life, right. unquote, but it's something connected to to this uh, this amateur career that I'm building. Well, I know for me that for my job, similar to Martha's, the security clearance that I have, I had to, you know, do a form and submit any pseudonyms that I use. So my boss has my pseudonyms. He knows the names of my podcasts. He knows what I do online. So it's that, you know, kind of, hi, Mr. Boss Man, did you notice I did an erotica podcast? You know what I mean? And then icon, it's that whole eye contact thing. And, and anything that you disclose is obviously not something you can be blackmailed about. So I told him all the projects I was involved with. And right. so there's there's no worry for that. But when I work in an office environment, I if I did an erotica podcast that was you know fairly hardcore, I really would feel uncomfortable if I knew that the people within my office uh, had tuned into. That. Yes, yes, that's that's why. And I've told Nobelis this, and and I said, you know, I think you're awesome, but I cannot listen to you do a sex scene and then make eye contact with you. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> That's why I don't listen to erotica podcasts. I, I just, it's the whole, if it's someone else, fine. And he said, well, I've got one that's someone else's voice that you've never met before. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll listen to that. I don't know. We'll see. But there was one, he did a fan uh, fanfic for Metamore. And I was listening to it and I really loved the beginning of the story. It was really neat. And then it got to the brown chicken, brown cow part. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, nope, nope, I'm out. Peace out. See ya. I love the intro, but that I can't take no more. And I know I'm going to be seeing you soon and there will be no eye contact and you'll wonder why. It'll be awkward. That's just me. What can I say? I was raised Catholic, you know. So. Do, you, do you think that men have a similar problem if they read an erotica piece? No. And then, you know. I don't think they... People- People, people at work find out about it. You think they kind of go, oh, I think they walk a little taller and they throw their chest out a little yeah. further. You know, they're, look, I'm a sexual being and that's okay because I'm a guy. You know, I, yeah. I think it is very different, even if even if you've got the father in the equation, mm-hmm. the father role. And M.A., what, what's your thought on that? Well, back when I was single, I was more careful about what I did because just of the safety aspect of right. the the, the, the appearance that I wanted to put myself out there. If I was going to be going to cons, I didn't want people thinking that I was a certain type of person certain, because just sexual going by myself had a bit of danger in it anyway. And so, but now that I'm, I'm now that I'm married, it's a little different, but I still don't do that much. And well, I'll curse as much as I want on my own podcast. Cause I don't curse that much as it is anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't worry about that as much, but I also don't want to give people that I work with any fuel to use against yeah. me, say, in court or something like that. Right. Anything that could possibly discredit me is not something that I want to put myself forward for. Mm-hmm. So I do try to like it, and when I'm when it's when I'm not the focus when I was on Fanboy Hell, I think I was probably a lot more racier because it really was just me talking with the two boys. Right. But and I don't think it was that much racier, but we had an explicit on our tag right just in case yeah just in case but with my modern domestic geek you know it's us two we're two moms and we're talking about mostly domestic issues yeah so it's it's a different character stuff but i do not like to 
portray an image of something that could possibly be detrimental either in my job or when I was single. Mm-hmm. I don't want you don't want to give out a certain right a certain absolutely you don't want people to see you as purely sexual yeah thing. or you know yeah You're you don't more want somebody to think well well that that's yeah oh she does this erotica podcast maybe she'll you know da, yeah. da, 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 brown chicken brown cow <laughs> you know at cons and stuff like that and you don't want to you want to go in with a little bit of a better image than right that. and you a know, podcast I, is a very public uh, it is presentation mm-hmm. i mean it's out there literally to the world forever mm-hmm. You don't know forever, and mm-hmm. you don't know who's who's tuning in. You don't want to give those signals. Mm-hmm. As an example, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. As an example, as part of my job, I had somebody from NPR contact me oh. asking to be on a podcast, and oh, awesome. it, a little bit. No, well, no. See, it freaked me out a little bit because I don't connect my podcast, except the like the little environmental tips that I'll give every once in a while. I do not get. Your worlds I, I do not collide. I try not to make them collide. And here is this NPR person that wanted to interview me. And I don't know whether it was on what I do for my work, but it was a little bit freaky because they didn't go through our press people. And so I wasn't sure mm. if they had heard of me and figured out who I was and contacted me at work or if they knew that I was in this, the area that I'm in. And so they asked to interview me. Right. What ended up happening is we have to go through, clear it through press. Mm-hmm. So I went up to our press person. I said, well, this is the thing. This is what I do, you know, on the side. And I had to explain it all to her. Mm-hmm. And she was actually really cool. She didn't realize that something like that existed. She actually started listening to the show a little bit. And that was back when I was doing better late than never. And none of the fanboy hell stuff. Right. So, but that was that freaked me out a little bit and that made me think a little bit more you know people can find me from work and sometimes i'll email like you or something from my work email just because it's easier Mm -hmm. but i try to keep things really separate yeah because there are times when i could be drawn into court on a case and somebody could say oh well she's one of these crazy internet people that talks on yeah and you know and there's nothing wrong with that i can do what i want to do in my personal life but that can also project something if i have to be a witness for something Mm mm-hmm Paulette? And, well, the, the main reason I use a, a pseudonym, Paulette Jackson is a pseudonym, is to, to keep from crossing streams with my day job. And the same with my writing is to, you know, keep that separate so that those two worlds, which, you know, could cross over in several different ways that I just don't really want to deal with that. Yeah. So, you know, I created a, a persona that goes with the podcasting and ne'er the twain shall meet as far as I'm concerned. And and when it does, if it ever does cross, uh, you know, that's something I'll have to deal with. But it is a very real thing that anything that you do within the podcasting realm could conceivably affect your, you know, your personal life in in the form of either your employment or your family. And it's something to keep in mind. And I think as women, we need to think about that more Mm-hmm. Because you know, in our society, it's 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 easier for a woman to cross the line, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, than men. Men can go a lot farther and do do a lot of different things, and still just kind of get the oh, that's okay. No, uh, I think actually, I think mm-hmm. actually, men can cross the line and cross the line back yes. more easily yes. than, women, than women can in our society. But I think that it's true that all, uh, both men and women should be paying more attention to it instead of saying this is a hobby and it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it is it is something that's public if you're going to publish it on the internet and it and it does matter and you should think about it heather what are your thoughts on this and have they changed since you've had grail pup i have, I have quite a few different perspectives on it as a 
a mother, woman, a musician, and an American with a European viewpoint. Because personally, I, I'm not scared of sexuality, and I think that we should be more in touch with it, and America seems to be prudish. Absolutely. Prudish. Yep. Absolutely. And honestly, I, I'm more worried uh, as far as my son. I don't want him to be into the violent stuff. I don't want him to have toy guns. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to, to be violent. And, and, and that's more of a concern for me than sexuality. However, as a musician and somebody who wants a career and a future as a singer... I have to look at that, and uh, that is the main reason I have turned down doing any erotica, because personally, I don't have a problem with it. However, if I want to be taken seriously as a woman and a, as a musician, I unfortunately have to turn those down, and it's not that I like it. I really, it's just that I know it's a commentary on the American point of view. Right. So more in the professional world, you would say that it would be possible to become typecast, as I was speaking earlier. Mm-hmm. But when I was speaking earlier, I was speaking in the amateur podcast world. Right. I don't think that women, particularly in, in the fiction podcasts, their voices necessarily get as typecast because you're not always right. a mom. You're not always a mom, Viv. You do have a couple of other roles you get offered, but... <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I'm saying is that when a female voice is needed, then a call goes out and, and you, you actually have an opportunity to pick up other, other parts. But I can see exactly what Heather is saying is that you know, if, you, if you're going to start doing a lot of work, then if you pick up the, the perception, if people think of a particular kind of role for you. Yeah. particularly if you're going towards the erotica or more hardcore side of things, then that's all that you're going to get. And that's not how how Heather wants to make her her living. She does want to get into having a career with her voice. Right. And, you know, you're absolutely right because I think the favorite, my absolute favorite voice work that I've done was for Paulette's Divine Fire, which was the first of the form letter rejection theater, and that wasn't a mom. I loved that, too. I loved that role. And I have gotten, you're right, that I have gotten offered other things. I guess I'm self-editing myself into these other, (laughs) because, again, it's that whole whole mother dynamic kind of thing that not just, you know, could my kids get yanked away if I cross some imaginary line someday, Mm -hmm. but also "Mm, my kids could hear this Mm. kind of thing. Right. I mean, it wasn't hardcore, but you were playing a prostitute, so. Shh, we weren't play- we weren't going with that aspect of it. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I was a hooker, yo. <laughs> but that wasn't like the crux of the story of it, you no, know? No, actually, no, it wasn't. But no, it, it. I think that all of us, when we're looking at roles that we can, you know, that we can do, I think we need to just keep in mind what the overall impression of that role is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, in that one, you know, the, the character begins as a prostitute and as a priestess. So, you know, that, that's a very positive and, and, you know, changing type thing. But, uh, you know, I think, I think everybody has to keep in mind what ultimately it's going to look, you know, look like to other people and, and everything. Hopefully n- no role that you're going to get as an amateur uh, podcast voiceover artist 
is going to be career defining. Absolutely. That's not why we're doing it. You know, we're, for me anyways, you know, not looking for making a salary or making a career. This is like, you know, the hobby slash amateur work. Um, but for like Heather, who does put herself out there and is promoting and doing the voice work and the singing and all of that stuff, definitely it's different. Well, Heather, did you have any, because I'm like you, as far as the sexuality versus violence thing, you know, I don't have a problem with sexuality. I just have a problem with losing my kid custody of my kids over it. Right. So I'm very much in line with you on that worried more about the violence thing. But do you have any concerns about grail pup hearing you in any of the roles or cause you guys are, you know, like you said, more of a European mindset. Yeah. You know, if, if I were to do something like that, I, I would feel a little weird if he were to hear it. However, it's everything. I, it feels like boils down to communication. Yeah. If I were to do something like that and I didn't want him to hear it, I would tell him, I did something I don't really particularly want you to listen to. And I think that he would go, yeah, you know, mom, I, I don't want to hear that. I'm not comfortable with that, mom. <laughs> so well, no problem. And if well, he did, then we would be concerned. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question for you, Heather. If, if Grail Pup were a bit older, mm-hmm. um, you know, a few years older, uh, would you want him to listen to you uh, as Cyrus in uh, Cybrosis? That's a good question. I don't know. Because there's Cause a lot it, of violence in there. There's a lot of violence, yeah. So, I I don't know. I think that that is something that Mark and I would have to discuss and and make a decision on. You know, are we comfortable with him being exposed to that level of violence? And and what what has he been exposed to thus far? I mean, if yeah, you know, if, if we don't stick to our guns and he's playing violent video games and stuff, anyways, then I probably won't mm-hmm. have a problem with it. But. I, it's a good point. Yeah, I, I I think that's something that we'll have to definitely set set some uh, guidelines down for. So it depends on where we're at. And I think that when you think about taking a part uh, and whether or not your son or your daughter is going to listen to that part and 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 what they're going to think about it, I think that it's not so much that it's you. It shouldn't be so much that it's you doing it. You should right. be thinking about is this even even if it wasn't me is this something that i want my right. my, chil- my children to be exposed to mm-hmm. exactly so if it is then you know do it and if it's not then don't yeah that's what it boils down to yeah now on the flip side of this kind of idea have you ever any of you ever felt pressure to be overtly sexual to increase listenership or to generate buzz for their podcast, kind of like as a promotion tool. Have you ever felt the no. need to, or has anybody ever no. suggested to you? Cause I, I, I don't think in this crowd that we really have to, any of us have marketed with our, exactly the opposite. Yeah. Well, I did yeah. back in the day when I first started better late than never, I felt some pressure from some from someone else and I squashed it. Yeah. Because I felt if they thought if they felt that they, that's what they needed, that's not what I was there for. And again, that was the whole image that I wanted to portray. You know, if you're going to be going as a single woman, if you're going to a con by yourself, yeah. you have to be smart. So especially when you don't know anyone. And when I went to my first Balticon, I didn't know anyone. I hadn't met anyone before. And I was really lucky to meet the people that I did. Mm-hmm. So, Does anybody else have any thoughts on that? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that we have not done that because we're our production company, Dancing Cat Studios, is it, that's not the thrust of what we've been producing, mm-hmm. and it just it just it hasn't been it hasn't been out there. It hasn't been something that's been a part of that particular publication. Certainly not a part of Balticon podcast, right? And you know. And we just played around with ADD cast. It was just, it was just fun. Yeah, whatever we did for ADD cast was just for fun. Yep. I'm sad that's gone. <laughs> yeah. I know. So's Paul, but we had to give up something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, does anybody have any final thoughts or comments or questions that they want to ask everybody else? I, I kind of had a a, a a tie-in thought that's been kind of going across my brain. If I can throw that out there, absolutely. I was reminded. Ma was saying something about how she had to have her time when she gets home to herself. And I think that really ties into what my mom calls rule number one. And I think we've all talked about it at some point or another, uh, how important it is to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of yourself because there's so many different people depending on you. And you just you have to remember that if if you forego taking care of yourself, then you're not in any condition to do all the things that you need to do right. and definitely bring your a game you know yeah, I know that very well. I work so hard up to the premiere of of tests that effectively a week after I released the first episode, uh, you know I was in the hospital, yeah, so yeah. that that's that's a big lesson that and and I spent the entire winter being sick pretty much from exhaustion and and trying to keep up and everything and it's and a hard rule to keep it is because I'm I'm now behind I'm I'm now you know I I had a very comfortable half the the podcast was done when I started and and now I'm working you know basically episode to episode because I lost oh, yeah. all of wow. that due to due to a a string of illnesses that were basically all caused by exhaustion. Wow. Yep. And it's so tough to get into that into that production schedule. It's so tough mm-hmm. to maintain that production schedule once you get yes. stuck there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so easy. We, again, we say this is a hobby, but, you know, it can take a lot of time. And if you make too many commitments uh, and if you pressure yourself too much, I mean, you can wind up, you know, you can lose sleep over it. You can... You can put your social uh, schedules aside and everything mm-hmm. else. It, it can really get you down. And yeah. I, I know that very well now. And in future projects, I will not overcommit myself. Well, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted you specific ladies on this panel is because you all, in the realm that you have within podcasting, whether it's, you know, voice work, production work, on hiatus, actively doing three audio dramas or whatever all have a level of professionalism in what you put out. You don't just go and go blah, 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 and then put up whatever you all work really hard and try to get something out there. And if it's not up to what you want, you don't put it out there. And that's the, that's the position I've taken on this is that I'm at the point now where I would rather turn stuff out late and have it take longer and yet still have it be at the same quality level that I was doing before. The quality is more important to me than the schedule. Better late than crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Nice. Touche. I'm going to put that on the website now. Better late than crap. I like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts or comments or questions? I agree wholeheartedly with what Paulette's been saying. Yep. Well, then, let me just give my tremendous thanks for all my panelists and joining me on all these different subjects within podcasting and also for being my guinea pigs on the first ever Girls Rules Long Distance Interview. Yay. So, thank you. Thanks for having us. I did also want to let listeners know that we will all, all of us glorious women, will be at Balticon 44 at the Hunt Valley Marriott in Hunt Valley, Maryland, which is near Baltimore. And that is Memorial Day weekend from May 28th to May 31st. So, yes, you can see all this awesome in action. (laughs) Be there or lose out. And there is going to be a Girls Rules panel where I'll be interviewing some more magnificent women. Philippa Ballantyne, J.R. Blackwell, Christiana Ellis, and the mighty Mer Lafferty. Not to be missed. Oh, my goodness. That's a a must-see. These are all published authors that also have podcast some of their work. And that panel will be Sunday at 4 p.m. So if you can make it, come on by. (laughs) So thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Girls Rules. You can find information, comment on episodes, and subscribe to the podcast at girlsrules.org. You can contact me by email at girlsrulespodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 717-347-8537. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 license, You are free to make copies and share this podcast to your heart's content, just not modify or make money from it. Theme music is provided by Emma's Mini, found on magnatune.com. Thank you. (laughs) Banishing the penis from the room now. (laughs) Bye bye, penis. (laughs) Paulette said bye, penis.